Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. We have a very, very unique individual today, well-rounded. He's been in a lot of different spheres, and he's he's nonstop. He's always going, and he's always trying to be the best version of himself. So Jonathan Gorman, who's an actor, writer, producer, keynote speaker, life coach, and corporate sales leader. Um, he's also the author of Your Life is Your Movie, The Biggest Obstacle You'll Ever Have to Overcome is Your Mind. That book will be published in January 2023, so you can pre-order that stuff through his website, which we plug in the show notes, so check that out. In the interview, Jonathan dives into his background as an actor, writer, producer, and corporate sales leader. He kind of recaps his childhood influences, school experiences, lessons that kind of gave him the foundation to be the human being he is today. And he kind of describes how he first found music and the entertainment industry, um, how that kind of came about and how to maximize your own gifts gifts and steps to finding like your purpose in life. So he kind of uncovers that and really highlights a, a key point that we're constantly doing that. That's a lifelong journey. So he talks about that in the interview and talks about actionable steps, practices, and different mechanisms you can use on a daily basis to like improve your confidence, overcome self-doubt, and just get on the right track with your life. Um, it's amazing how like just writing something down can do that for you. And he talks about different things that you can do for that. Um, Slager, I know that you have been talking my ear off the last couple of weeks <laughs> about how excited you are to release this episode. So I know you enjoyed it. What did you think, man? What'd you think? Man, I, I loved it. And you even told me, hey, I got this guy. You're going to absolutely love him. And I, I never I never doubt that. But I so enjoyed this this conversation with Jonathan. Um, I, I wish we were neighbors, honestly. Like maybe that's a good thing, a bad thing, but that'd be a hysterical time. But yeah, man, he, he provided so much value and insight because he has done so many things. And that's kind of where I, I resonated. I feel like I've done a handful of just odd jobs being in this industry and that. And so he talked about, um, you know, what makes a great story. We recently had a filmmaker on and Jonathan has done filmmaking and acting. So he is a natural born, just storyteller. He's been around it. He knows how to do it very well and he can really draw his audience in. So we, we always like to know from those types of people, what makes a great story. Then he reflects on his transition from entertainment into corporate sales. So he helps uh, with corporate sales training and man, he can sell a light switch to the Amish. This dude is unbelievable, but he talked about how you can be successful in sales, how to be the expert in the room without having a lot of years of experience. So, you know, a lot of people just getting, getting into sales, how can you validate yourself? How can you create credibility in the room of professionals when maybe you haven't been in that industry for a long time. And I think that was a lot of value added uh, to our listeners, especially those who are in sales, even though we're all selling, if you are specifically in corporate sales, he's the guy to listen to here. Then he uh, shares a few insights and actions you can take for self-improvement. Tim, you and I are always talking about how can we be better this day, not just work, but in our daily lives as, as better humans. And so Jonathan goes into self-improvement, becoming the best version of yourself. And he was very big on that topic. So I really enjoyed that segment of the show. And then we kind of round things out. You know, I, I told him I got this friend. He thinks he might have an acting career. At some point in his life, not sure when, kind of a good looking guy, pretty funny, has a podcast with his buddy. Um, so he shares some some tips on if you want to get into acting, some good starting points. 
And, you know, maybe we have some listeners that want to get into acting are already acting, but he is well-versed in that area. So provided very good tips with that. Really appreciated that. I know my friend really appreciated that as well. And then as always, we end the show asking him how he wants to be remembered. So I I loved this episode. Uh, I can't wait for all of you guys to listen to it. I'm definitely going to re-listen to it a few more times. And who knows? I, I think he's a good one uh, to always keep in our network, especially you know if, if you want to get into acting, I'll probably ask him for my buddy uh, a few more tips along the way here. So without further ado, here we are with Jonathan Gorman, episode 201. So, uh, Jonathan, I guess to, to kick things off, maybe for our listeners, um, give a little background who you are, what you do, and um, kind of how you got where you are today, and we'll dive in the weeds in between. Sounds good. Okay. Well, I'm Jonathan Gorman, and I am a, a, a verbose talker, so you know, <laughs> um, but you know, one of the reasons for that is because I think when you externalize elements of what you think, you allow your world to understand who you are as a human being. And so I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It actually helps me always process a lot of great ideas. I'm originally from Southern California, but I live in Charlotte today. I have a wife, a daughter, a daughter who's a screenwriter in New York. And I have three furry kids now, three furry dogs here in North Carolina. Um, So that's a little bit about me. I I, I spent 40 years in California, and then I've been about 16 or so outside of that, 16, 17 years now, outside of California here on the East Coast. Love the East Coast, by the way, mm-hmm. in the Charlotte area. Mm-hmm. So um, so in that regards, I've started my career in entertainment and acting. You know, when I look at from a professional perspective, and that was right, pretty much right out of high school. Um, I did not have a really normal job, corporate job. So when we talk about some of these and how, how I've transitioned entrepreneurship to corporate responsibilities, um, I didn't actually start that until I was 38 believe it or not. So yeah, so this is great for people who are really looking out there and going, I'm completely lost and I'm 25. What do I do? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's going to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much ample time. It's just learning how to do it right and become efficient. So I've spent 20 some years full-time in the entertainment industry, about four decades overall now, though, when you look at it, still do it today as an actor, writer, producer, just bought a project. Um, and then I'm also in the corporate world and I've spent back 20 some years in the corporate world now. So that's really brings to the force of who I am today. I am a people person in the sense that I love to help people. People are complex and that's not a bad thing. It's just sometimes that complexity gets in their way to achieve incredible results. And so that's kind of why I decided to write a book was to help people become the best person they are. And that's when I do coaching. It's I'm very selective in coaching. And we'll talk a lot about that hopefully today in the sense that you have to want it. If you don't want it and you're just doing it because you think, well, I should try it, it won't work. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very selective in who I work with or the types of speaking engagements that I do. I want to make sure that we're walking away with something very tangible for the person. Otherwise, there's plenty of books out there. It's a billion dollar industry, right? And speaking world. So I want to make sure everybody really gets that, that the change factor. And that's the big thing that I focus mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. And then did you like, 
when you were younger, going back to when you were younger, did you yeah. always know that you were going to start out in the entertainment industry? And I guess, how did you kind of begin that journey? What did that look like? Wow, that is an incredible question. It's an incredible question because nobody typically asked me that. And it's funny because I think my innate life was supposed to be in the entertainment industry. And the reason I say that, although I wasn't necessarily exposed to it, but my sister, she was in various types of creative outlets. And so she had an opportunity to go down to one of the big studios for an audition that they had. And they said to my parents, we all, we don't want her but we would love him. And so oh, that, yeah, they were like, uh, and we make fun of it still today. She <laughs> laughed about it, you know? Yeah. And so she's like, you know, so I, and then my brother's like, no way. Absolutely not. This will be a war inside the household. <laughs> so, um, and that, I think about what could have, what could have happened at that point. It could go on a million different sliding doors. Right. But um, I think there was an innate thing. I was a singer. I, I was very quiet as a child. And I'm not very confident. And so I was raised in a convent early on because my parents just worked. So they constantly, they dropped me off at the church with the nuns. So I spent all day with them and I'd go to mass and they were singing nuns, believe it or not. And so they would use music to get me to vocalize. And so that was innate inside me, but I was a very big athlete guy. So it was hibernated that whole artistic till about my senior year in high school. And that was just by a fluke, actually the end of my junior year. And that, and that's a little bit in my book. I cover that because I want to get very raw with people. You know, life is not pretty. You go through a lot of tragedies and you go through a lot of failures. And I wanted to be very vulnerable with people. Um, I was a horrible student. I had a lot of challenges going through it, through it all. And so those are the types of things I express. And so I, it wasn't necessarily that I got into it early. It, I fell into it. I literally mm -hmm. fell into it. And if I had never been in born and raised in Pasadena, California, and then that area, there's probably no way I would have ended in the entertainment industry. It's mm -hmm. just, I didn't have a yearning to be one. Yeah. It's something that exudes out of me. Right. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to the nuns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Right. So yeah, it sounds like singing help helped you kind of open that, that creative side, get into, you know, entertainment. Uh, you said you were a horrible student. And we've had entrepreneurs on here for the last four years, and, and a lot of them were that way. Do you think that's because it's just things that you weren't actually interested in, that that they weren't capturing your attention enough? Like if they had something musically inclined or sports inclined, you would have been a, you know, quote unquote, better student. Um, or do you think just in general school wasn't really made for you? Yeah, no, it's a this, whew, good questions. Um, you know what? There's a combination of that lock in the sense that I learned later through the through the process that I was smart, but that took a long time. And I still challenge myself on that. So that's interesting. So the, the academic structure was hard for me because I, I'm a I'm a slow learner. Hmm. So that means I, I process, it takes me a little bit of time to catch it, but when I do. I'm like a microchip and it's stored information. So I couldn't keep up with the class. That was a lot of it. It wasn't that I couldn't understand the, 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 the material that was being brought there. So that, that, that harbored a lot of, it made you become non-interested inside mm -hmm. of school because you couldn't keep up. Sure. 
you use your other assets, your survival mechanisms to help you then at that point. And that was being just naturally inclined athletically, right? To this, this finding that singing voice and, and people appreciating that, having a personality that people enjoyed. You used all those things to subsidize that. And so you put school on the back burner until the point came in my senior year. My junior year, I was, uh, you know, caught cutting class i hadn't been to a class i don't know in about 17 days or so i was at school every day but you know just not in this particular class that's pretty impressive though 17 days yeah. before you got noticed so. a run. oh they pulled yeah. out a stack of cut cards it was, it was ridiculous <laughs> i was like a vacation for three and a half three years I would literally cut a class and I would be at a class. So I would go to whatever classes I would go to the truancy officer and say, yes, I missed this particular class, which I attended. And then they would give me their thing with the, the card with the signature. And then I would just fill an excused on the classes that I actually missed. And so I was constantly there. Well, this one teacher, she, I got, to, I changed classes. And so then she didn't really, I, she asked me, are you going to get going? I says, are you going to tell me what to do? And I just, my bad ego got in the way and I was like, well, I don't think I should show up back to this class again. So I just did it for the next yeah. 17 days. She saw me in the hallway. She grabbed me. We ended up into the counselor's office. They found out my stack of cards looked like this. And the next thing you know, I'm getting kicked out of high school. Mm. So that's what I'm like. Hey, <laughs> she told me not to come back. I was just doing what I was told to do. And exactly. that what this institution is. You tell me what to do. I do the things. Exactly. And that was really the change point, though, of, of my finding out what I had inside of me, because mm -hmm. I was not going to not graduate. That was just too embarrassing. Right. Who, oh, come on. I got to graduate. So I convinced them, hey, I'll take the detention. Give me it all. Rest of the year, man, I'm good. Give me mm -hmm. one more chance. I'll prove. And then I did a three nine five in my senior year. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it wasn't so much that. And I had 90 credits in my senior year. You did 200 over the course of four years. Wow. So 90. that, yeah. So it was really eye opening. And going back into that, that's the thing that's weird is because in my junior year, I'm cutting class and I'm in the library. Mm -hmm. And a guy says to me, I ran into, he says, you know, what are you going to do after school? I said, I don't know, play baseball probably or something of that nature. And he says, and if that doesn't work out, I'm like, oh, probably sing. Why aren't you a choir? I'm like, eh, I don't really think choir's for me. He goes, come on, man. You've seen me. We played high school. We played sports together and all of that. You know, he convinced me to go try out for choir. They were doing choir for the next year. Okay. I did a lululu, a la la la. Guy's like, wow, you have an incredible voice. You really should try out for Brighter Side Singers, which was an elite group. And I didn't know you had to be a choir a year prior to be even eligible. Like, yeah, not really my thing, but I showed up. Another Lululu, another la la la. <laughs> Three, four minutes inside this thing, they kicked me out. Everybody else was like 20 minutes inside there. And I woke up in the summer with some polka dot shorts on and a whole bunch of people in my little dinky room saying, Come as you are, you made this thing. And that gave me 10 extra credits. Oh, oh nice. It also put me in the musical. And that's how I got my, my first fix of what the entertainment world was like okay and yeah that was kind of the launching pad so it was really my voice that was my salvation in graduating and getting enough credits and then launching in a career which is just wacky yeah, yeah that's amazing and uh what what musical was it i'm just curious annie get your gun i don't know that one I'm not gonna pretend yeah. like uh, i'm not gonna nod along like oh yeah 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 i have no clue 
Yeah, it um, was a, it was a great one. Fun music. I was so bad though that they wanted me to audition for the lead. I was so petrified. I couldn't even get lines outside of in my hand. I'm very nervous in front of people at that time. Still empty today. People always go, "Oh, you're an actor. You could go do this." And that's not the case. Hmm. And so um, they were like, okay, great. The guy can sing, but he can't act. So I got one line. And I think I still messed that one line up. <laughs> you know, get you more chicken salad. And then they had me <laughs> dance in these core things. And I can't dance. So it was a tragedy of just yeah. embarrassment all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Wow, 90 credits in, in your senior year. So do you do better with pressure? Like, do you perform better under pressure? I have a little heat in the kitchen. I think that, well, you know, it's, I think that that could be looked that way, but I think that I, I live a life. My father would tell me all the time. He says, son, here's the problem with you. You have no level of complacency in your bones. Hmm. So I constantly am pushing myself to the next level. And that's where I would love to see people do that with themselves it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to push yourself to achieve oh, just these crazy things. But what if you want to just be the most incredible mom, you know, the most incredible daughter, son, child, right? Uh, relative, um, community leader. It could be anything. But I think you have to constantly be pushing yourself to going somewhere bigger and better in where you and who you become as a human being. And I do that to myself constantly. Yeah. When people like when people want to go up to that next level, like obviously yeah. like it's one thing to just like decide that you want to do that. But like what's what's something that someone can do to reinforce that goal of getting to that higher level like every day? Like what's an actionable tip that someone can do besides just like manifesting it in their head? Is there anything that they can do that will like yeah. keep them on that path towards going to that next level? Yeah. There's so so now you're asking two-parted question without knowing that and that's probably the very first piece where most people struggle is it defined to what they want to accomplish in their life and it could be as simple as what we've talked about a community leader being a stay-at-home mom being a great dad what is your purpose it has to be something that you truly want inside of you okay and then that turns it into what can you actually create that you believe you can become and so when you define that that's going to give you the first level of roadmap to be able to know how to go attack it. Mm -hmm. Most people want, but don't have the will mm -hmm. to actually go do what they need to do. And that's that work. And so the beginning phase of everything is truly understanding why goes back into why do I want this? Mm -hmm. Why do I really want this? What, and, and, and when I achieve this, what then? When you start to break it down like that, now you can ask yourself, am I inspired by this? Mm -hmm. If you're inspired by it, the work becomes really easy. I always laugh because you'll hear it on so many conversations. You got to work hard to be successful. Work hard. Take the, that hard work and just extract it. You have to work, but life should be fun. You should be doing everything because it's great and because it's fun. When I work out every day, it's because it's fun, because I feel good. It's a part of my lifestyle. When I'm doing sales and I'm sharing time with people, I'm excited to learn about them. 
So the catch is, is why do I want to do that? Because it, it moves me. It inspires me. I'm not doing something because I have to. When you eliminate that have to and you choose to, comes the world becomes unbelievable mm-hmm. automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that, that, that? yeah, it does. That that why behind it. And we, we, talk, we talk about like anytime that you do business with someone and, and do a professional relationship, like you have a contract. Every time you do a, a, a show or, or a movie, you have a script. We always yeah. found that like these goals, like it always helps like when you write it down and you have, you have it like written out in front of you. And we talked about our show, like I have an index card on my desk that says that I has goals for me as the person, as the husband, as, as whatever I am in my personal life, one for my professional life. And then one for the podcast, I have different like affirmations yeah. of like what guides me. Cause I, I think having something visual in front of me and writing it down, that makes it like, Hey, like. I, I have a reason why I'm doing this and it's something that I can look at every day to kind of guide me towards that higher, higher self that I'm trying to become. Yeah. So. And so let me ask you, when you do that, throw the questions back to you for a second here. Yeah, it, I love that. When you're by doing that, you don't really need, would you agree? Do you need motivation? Not necessarily. Cause it's, it's at this point, it's, I mean, I love it's going back to what you said. I find joy in it. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because there's like a great, there's like a higher reason why I'm doing it. And it, it all comes back to helping other people. That's the common thing about all, all the things I'm doing. But yeah, like having that, it's, I've literally memorized that card that I have and it's, it's become second nature and it guides like every action I do on a daily basis. It's crazy. And it's fun. Motiv- yeah. Cause motivation is a drug. Yeah. It's truly a drug. And that's the problem. So when people look out there and say, oh, are you going to be a motivational speaker? Absolutely not. Is your book motivational book? Absolutely not. I'll be an inspirational speaker because I can't motivate you. How am I going to be with the two of you guys? You guys are going to go today at some point. You're going to go different directions and do different lives. Who am I going to who am I going to follow and keep happy through the course? Yeah, right, of the day? right. Yeah. It's impossible. So you have to become happy. What I can do is become so strong in my life that I become inspirational to you. You start to go, oh, that's interesting. I want to learn how to become inspirational. Mm -hmm. Then you define what it is that you want that inspires you. And now the flame's burning and it's not hard because you're doing what you love to do. Right. But if you, oh, I'm doing this because I don't know why I do this. And then I hate this. I, there's nothing driving you. And so your boss is going, well, here, let me show you what you could be doing, or let me do this show your performance levels. They'll never get you there because they can't be with you all the time. It's just giving somebody a drug and it, it's going to always have a fail point. And so we really need to make sure people understand how to become inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've talked to people where motivation, like it, it does these crazy spikes, yeah. right? It might last two minutes. It might last two days, but eventually it's going to burn out. And that's where you've, you're probably familiar with Jocko Willink. You know, his big thing is discipline. He's yeah. like that, that is what will get you where you want to be. It, it's, it's discipline and nothing else. He goes the motivation. I can motivate you all day. Yeah. He goes, but if you're not disciplined to do the things, then yeah. there's nothing for me to do. Yeah. And become you. Yeah, right. That's the most you everybody's given this amazing gift of being them for whatever idiosyncrasies you have, right? I got tons of idiosyncrasies. But when you learn how to be you for what you are, then that's understanding how do I use that in the world? 
that's a whole other conversation to a degree, but it's like you create your world. And what I mean by that is right now you're seeing me, but I have no idea what I look like to you. Now, either of you, if you were to actually draw me out, there may be similarities. Yes, you're going to both say salt and pepper hair, blue eyes, white, you know, thinner face. But what do I actually chiseled jawline? Oh, thank you. There you go. Um, you know, what, what would you actually? But what would I actually look like to you? You know, and then the character traits behind that that you're subliminally thinking. So imagine if you both have that different perception of what you're doing. You're creating me. Do you like the way he talks? Do you not like the way he talks? And then when that subliminal elements start hitting you because you're just processing so fast your mind, you're actually establishing what you want me to be. Mm. And your actual conversation starts to trickle into without knowing it, where maybe you're leading the, the relationship a certain way. I like this guy. You're leading it into a good relationship. You know, mm. it just it reminds me of my friend that I don't like anymore. And you're bringing off that there's this weirdness, the relationship starts getting weird. We are creating everything in our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we learn how to actually use that in everything and realize we're 100% accountable, that can change your whole game. Yeah. 100%. That's such a good point. Because whether you're like influencing someone or inspiring someone, or if you're in like a sales conversation or anytime you're trying to like influence someone in some way, like they're always going to evaluate you as the person before they evaluate the product you're selling, the idea you're selling, anything that, that you're trying to, to convince them of. it's They buy you first before anything else. Right here. Imagine if I just blocked everything out and all you saw was that right now, my eyes. And you actually were listening to me and you could only see my eyes, the window of my soul, right? Mm -hmm. When I'm speaking, you would be able to go, What do I believe him or not? Because you're losing everything. And that's the greatest thing. When you look at somebody in the eyes and you shake hands with them or you greet yourself in a meeting, I always take that moment of just looking at the individual and saying, hi, I'm Jonathan. And your name? I'm Colin. And I look and make sure we're connected. Okay, great. And, and I'm Tim. Oh, great. And Tim, how long have you been here? So people go, how do you get connected with everybody so fast? Take that moment of time to really understand and let that person know, I'm with you, man. Mm -hmm. Are we connected? Let's be connected if not. Changes. I'd love to shake your hand right now. God, that just drew me in. I was like, let's shake hands. Let's snap it up, baby. Yeah. Let's go to Carolina. Yeah. Really cool. There, there are so many things I want to make sure we hit, especially with our conversation of becoming you. But yeah. I want to go back a little bit. So you, uh, you got in the musical in high school. And that kind of helped start you into entertainment. So after high school, take us there and kind of along your journey a little bit more. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just knew that it was in, it intrigued me. Let's put it that way. But there was about a year and a half burner, I would say, of just trying to figure it out. Right. That's that wayward space of I don't know what I'm going to do. I got this graduation high school diploma. I'm never going to, you know, I need English 49. Just I'm starting on 49 just to get to 101. How many years is that going to take? <laughs> right. So I was like, okay, let's just skip this whole college thing. It's not going to work out. Although I, you know, see friends and hang out with them at car parties and stuff of that nature. But I then heard an ad in a radio station. It said, you want to career in the entertainment industry, call this number. Okay, I do. I went down to Hollywood, Larrabee and, uh, and Hollywood Boulevard, 
And um, they had 25 questions. They're like, man, you got a great look. You should get in this. They wanted me to pay $2,200 for this dinky little picture inside of a book. I'm like, I don't really think anybody's going to look through this book with all these pictures and go, that's the guy. I said, that just doesn't make sense. They said, well, we have a commercial workshop class for um, 250 bucks, eight weeks. Want to do that? I said, yeah, sure. And took that class. And I knew right then, first class, I was like, this is so cool. Got my pictures done. This was snail mail back in the day, answering machines. I sent it to every agency in town. I didn't care. They were always stars only. Cool. I'll send it anyway. And um, started getting phone calls, met with agents, met with one agency, where's the Kodak building now, it was on 1717 Highland and uh, Hollywood. And so they uh, they sent me out to an audition, my very first audition. They walked in. They said, how tall are you? I said, oh, about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, you got to be 5'11". I said, OK, thanks. And that was it. Got home, had another audition, hadn't even signed with this agent. And they end up sending me out 10 days in a row hmm. as I was still meeting agencies. Yeah. I come out of this one agency. This girl's like, wow, you have a great look. Is that your picture? So your book? I said, yeah. She goes, can I take one of these? I want to give it to an agency in Atlanta, in uh, Dallas. Next thing you know, I got an off, uh, offer to do a modeling job in Dallas. So I'll get on a plane. I go to Dallas. In that between that, that agency had been sending me out where I had done a general with Kim Dore, the Arthur company. They wanted to hire me for a show called Rocky Road. And um, I said, well, just call him up. He's like, you got to tell us when you go out of town. And the next thing you know, so literally I was on the next thing you know, I was on a show called Rocky Road is a little glorified feature extra with a line here or there. Yeah. And that's how I got into what was called American Federation of Radio and Television, which is AFTRA. It was before SAG and AFTRA were combined. And so, um, and it just started launching. MTV was coming to the market and tons of videos. They were making really cool videos when it first started. You know, you ever gone back on history and see that you guys are probably yeah. too young for MTV. But, I remember uh, a little bit of MTV, not a yeah. lot though. And, and bands would do really cool storylines. Mm -hmm. So I got to do like really cool parts in these little vignettes. And it gave me a lot of, of understanding. Video was just coming to the market. So it was a, just a kaleidoscope of greatness happening. And so they needed great content. So I'm doing all these little films, independent films for 500000 to $2 million on film back in the day. This is before digital. And just such a great level of exposure and 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 get and then all of a sudden the studio started calling my agencies and the next thing you know it was just it was overwhelming you know wow. yeah and yeah and and i kind of became my own demise at that point you know um i was like wow this is i don't know if i'm even ready for this never took an acting class you know and i, I just it, it was a lot to take in you know mm -hmm. and it's been challenging through the course of the 40 years it, it, you always ask yourself I'm, i don't understand fame so i don't understand that mm -hmm. element mm -hmm. so what you're saying is the roi from that 250 dollars class was pretty it was good. incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they should have flipped the the dollar amount 250 for the photo 2200 for eight week course and <laughs> you know i used to write it when i had my acting studio in indiana i'd have a commercial workshop class and i call it the money class i would put up on the board i would say one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and then i say twelve hundred dollars which one do you want mm -hmm. yeah which one do you want 120 grand i say mcdonald's and then i'd say 1200 chicago pd hmm. mm, right so 300 and some commercials later of doing all types of commercials i had a pretty lucrative career nobody knows who i am but i've had a great time representing yeah. all kinds of incredible organizations meeting so many amazing people and just having a blast 
and, and compared to working, I mean, working laborious hours to get lines down and all this when you make very little. So yeah, there's, there's great strides when you land on big series, but don't, people don't get lost. They, there's, there's different mediums inside of the industry mm-hmm. and, and they each, each one has a different reward. And I think as the artist, we need to make sure we understand what, what truly makes inspires us. So today I don't do a lot of commercials. I actually had one released. I got a copy yesterday of one. And my wife always laughs. I go, I pointed, I showed it to her, the 30 second ad. And she, it was, I jump off this, uh, this bridge, like a uh, dock into the water with my son. And we must've done 80 takes. I ended up blowing my leg out at the end. I couldn't walk. Yeah. And so what happened was, and it's literally bing, me jumping in. She's like, all that for that? I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go, now it's not that I don't love commercials. So if anybody's hearing this out there, but I go, now you understand why I put more of my focus in on other things and I want to do other things. It's just yeah. not about commercial here and there. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Jumping yeah. off a dock 80 times, it only gets so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I literally, oh, one more time, one more time. Final, final time. I literally jumped. And as I landed in the water, I could just feel my, my calf throbbing. Mm. I get up and they had a medic there and it was a very safe environment, fantastic organization. And I get up and I'm literally just in excruciating pain. And and I know there's something, it's not just a calf tightening. And I say to the guy, he's like, yeah, it's just a cramp. It's hot. You probably, you know, jump on all this thing. And I couldn't walk on it for five days, five days. I got lucky. I actually thought I tore it, um, but it, it ended up just working out after five days. I stayed off of it and I wasn't sure if I was gonna have surgery. I thought, oh, great. I'm gonna have surgery. And and I'm going to pay more for my leg than I actually yeah. made on the spot itself, you know, right, right. one spot up until the one final time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, It sounds like you must've strained it pretty good or something. Yeah. yeah. Strain or something like that. Yeah. You're using that same leg, right? Every time mm-hmm. as you're launched and then you come up on the, the, the ladder, you're using that same leg, pulling yourself up. Yeah. So it's, it's a just, workout. Yeah. yeah, it was a real workout, you know? Yeah. Okay. My- my question for you as well is you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, how, when you were younger, you had kind of like a confident, you weren't as confident. You didn't have a confidence issue or you had a confidence issue. Did that ever like creep up when you were starting your, your acting career? Or was there like a defining moment where like you overcame that or like really like got your confidence at some point when you started out? So uh, it's a fantastic question because the answer is going to surprise you. I'm still not. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's the trick. People have illusions and that's going to go into when you learn about yourself. What do you know about yourself and what does the world see you as? There are two different perspectives. And so you have to align them together. You have to understand how they both function. The world, I could ask you guys this in return. Do you see me as a confident person? Yes, Yes. definitely. Yeah. Most people do 99.9% of the world, but I have so many worries and insecurities that are always in play every day. There's days that I've had when we, when we, today we hear about people with mental abuse and, 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 and addictions and all that. I've had days when I was struggling so hard, I couldn't get out of bed, couldn't face the world. And here I am is this person is coming out with this book to help you. It's going to hit you. So if you don't figure this out, it will hit you bigger, badder, and worse than you've ever wanted it to be. So you have to work on it on a regular basis. Confidence can be misconstrued because people think, okay, great. If I have confidence, I can go achieve the world. No, 
you have to have passion and the passion will come out. I've never done, this is my first podcast ever, right? Mm -hmm. This is the beginning of me going into a new chapter of my life to not have anxiety and fear before this moment in time. That would be ridiculous. So every time you step on set, there's this anxiety and there's this lack of confidence. Can I do this? Dude, are they going to figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing? You know, and and that's that's in play constantly. So we're constantly facing that every day inside of our world. We have to learn how to to make it work that it's not debilitating to us mm -hmm. and that we know how to manage it. And when we learn how to manage that and make it not debilitating, we can now come across as very confident in who we are. Mm -hmm. So I'm being very true to who I am. You're asking me the questions. I don't know how, what I was going to say, and I'm answering them. Mm -hmm. So what are maybe one or two practices or mechanisms that, that you've incorporated? Because I think there's probably a lot of people listening, and whether they're listening to this, there's a lot of people out there trying to do something that they're they have a fear that is just grabbing them where you know they can't put the camera on themselves they, it's yeah. hard to promote you know so you saying you have a confidence issue yet you act you speak you write a book what are uh one or two things that you've done maybe it's a daily practice yeah. or something that our listeners can take away where okay i relate with that i have things and, and ideas i want to do that are me yeah but i'm terrified because i'm not confident i'm not as extrovert as i think i need to be yeah, there's a couple. So I grew up in a, in a family who was very into multi-level marketing sales. You know, we were Amway back in the day. Okay. And so there was a lot of um, seminars that they went to. And there was one gentleman that says, you know, people, what you need to do is get out and just walk by people and say, hi. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing today? And, and you're just walking through the mall or through the shopping center or through the grocery store. But just as you walk by somebody, just acknowledge them and say, Hi. That's a very first step because a lot of times it's just the feeling of insecurity of somebody connecting with that person. So that's that's a great start for anybody. Really get your children doing that. That's going to help children immensely. You're with them, so you're not worried. But, you know, I love when I see a child go, hi, you know, yeah, right. oh, running behind their parents. You know that child's going to be doing something pretty spectacular probably one day. Yeah. The other one is, is this is where, you know, it gets philosophical. Like you said, I'm going to share some of mine, but I think health and fitness is tremendous because I'm 58 years old. Okay. And, and being 58 years old, people are like, what? Every time I'm, they meet me, they're like, this is unbelievable. And I'm, I'm in great shape. I enjoy working out. It allows me to be stimulated 100%. And that's going to help in the confidence level because you're, you haven't let go of yourself. You've actually taken care of yourself and that's going to be huge. I also meditate every day. doesn't have to be a lot. It could be one day could be 15 minutes. Another day could be 20 minutes. Another day could be two minutes. It doesn't really matter. When you learn, learn. There's so many variations out there. I My variation of doing it is simply closing my mind. I use something by Mind Valley, and it's a six-phase meditation. So that's out there. I think it's fantastic. Anybody can Google that. Say the six-phase meditation. Um, really fantastic. It's about a 20 minute one, but once you learn the process, I can consolidate it down and just use pieces of it mm. at that point of the day. I'm not, I've read one times years ago, God, you know, that, 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 boo, 
that's the challenging world and that word in the world because people do will that turn somebody off or not and so i would also say i'm very spiritual it's raising a convent let's get real here right yeah, yeah. Right. so the thing is is you can look at god as good orderly direction but i do believe when you bring in your fitness when you bring in some form of meditation and then some form of level of spirituality, okay, whatever that is for me, that is the true level of Jesus and God. But I say a prayer and I read a, a scripture piece every day. I've also believe in the world that I'm here to take on whatever I'm given and I'm not married to anything I have. And that sounds really weird, but that took a long time to actually let go of everything. By doing those four things in place, I say four because there's the working out, there's the meditation, and then there's that just that prayer, spiritual prayer, but then also letting go of everything. Mm -hmm. That gives me the freedom to go just show up. Mm -hmm. And just showing up is being happy of who I am. That allows the confidence to start. If the if the anxiety starts to creep up inside of that, I can be be talking to you, but just start to say I'm okay. There's also a thing you can go like this. People might not recognize it, but you could just kind of go like this to yourself, and just and you guys know your the listeners can't hear it, but I'm tapping, I'm rubbing my heart and kind of just tapping my chest a little bit. That's a very soothing and comforting piece. You might find another way of doing it. It's really weird, but it, it works great. Hmm. That's I, interesting because, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I've worked with a relationship coach before. And one thing was just kind of holding your hand there over your heart. Yeah. And just yeah. feeling what it, like, what does it really need? Like, mm -hmm. and, and you know, you just have to tell yourself like, oh, that's what I need. I need to say yeah. this to this person, or I need to go do this action, whatever it is. And just kind of feeling what, what yeah. you need. Yeah. Slow it down. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just right. literally slowing it down. And it's by doing that. It's allowing you to feel the pulse of life. It's mm -hmm. allowing you to, to say, hey, what am I really feeling? And take that moment. And then I'm okay. That's going to happen to me. And let the brain, because the water, the bloods, the anxieties, the blood's moving. It's your brain is going too fast. And you just need to slow that down. And that gives you that greater clarity to, to kind of filter back in and figure out what you need to do. Mm -hmm. People should work on themselves every day. If they're not, they truly goes back into, they want it, but they actually don't have the will. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I always, I feel like I bring this up on so many interviews, but Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Yep. Sure. Talks about private victory before public victory. Like you have to conquer yourself, thoughts and everything before you can go out and serve the world in a meaningful way. And that's a, yeah. that's a very good, very good thing that you talk about. Just like patting that and coming. And Tim, you bring up something really great. You know, there's a, this is a billion dollar industry of a book. So think about that. That means why Jonathan? <laughs> right? That took 10 years right there. Well, why would I listen to Jonathan? And 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 that was that figuring that out. I, I was I had to learn that and understand that. And that's where what I'm bringing forward in it is that. I, what I didn't get from people so much was it was about motivating or techniques and tactics, but not realizing saying it doesn't have to be hard. Go to go to so many motivational using that word, because if you go, you look them up on Google and you hear great speakers, world renowned people with incredible content. But it's talking about motivation. It's not really talking about what finding your personal 
personal power, your personal purpose, so that you're living inspired versus needing motivation. I don't want to make another book. I probably will one day, but I don't want it to be another book or I want it to go and maybe it's going to be a novel or something. The goal will be that people won't need self-help books like this. And so when you look at that, the biggest thing that I get from people all the time is this is, yeah, this is great information. It's the question that follows that. Mm-hmm. Then why aren't you applying it? Mm. Right? right? It's great information. Why aren't you applying it? And that goes back into the work. If you don't understand how to do the work, you have a want. You have an envision, but you don't have a will and you don't have a vision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Vision and vision. Envision, I envision that I think I could, this is what I want. But I vision, I can have it. I believe I can have that. Those become the separating pieces in it. And so when you realize, okay, I'm going to take my vision board because your vision boards are what you're saying you truly believe you can achieve. It's not fabricated. You could put all these great pictures on on a vision board, but then the bottom line is is that you don't believe you can get them. The vision board is nothing. Throw it in the trash can. Mm -hmm. That's an in-vision board. Different game. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes total sense. So, so much power, the moral of that is so much powerful content out there that I would never care if anybody took anything content from my book and shared it and used it in their speaking engagements, put it in their next book. We think that's the interchangeable piece that anybody who wants to help the world should be okay with. I know I use a lot of great things. It's like the great uh, Dr. Joe Depensa. He says, in order to change your reality, you need to change your personality, mm-hmm. right? When you change your personality, you change your reality. To not share that with people, to make sure people are checking in with Dr. Joe DePensa, that would be crazy. So you have to bring up things that you're talking about when you say, hey, seven highly effective things of seven highly uh, motivated people, right? Is that then Stephen Covey, he's world renowned. People should should understand it. But it's, again, only going to be content on paper and content on paper without execution. It's just ink on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. What would you tell to someone who they have the vision, they have the will? but they're just trying to get organized. Like someone like you, like you, you, you've done so many different stuff and I'm sure you're, you're, you do a lot in every 24 hours that you get. Is there anything that like advice you give to people to kind of hone that in and organize it? Like, yeah, they have the will, they have the hard work ethic, they yeah. execute, but we only have 24 hours in a day. Right. So how do you, how do you stay organized and kind of balance all of that and still perform well in all your different avenues? It, it, it's great, great, piece because it's going to be really complicated but very simple and it was actually the piece that gave me the design i had million designs for my book and when i say designs structurally what did i want to convey and how did i want to convey it and um it when it finally hit i was in um i realized i'm a filmmaker i love film and i've been in the corporate world and i love i have a great this crazy story personal story of just tragedy and all these different things that have happened and successes and when i looked at it as making a film i thought wow you don't make a film overnight would you agree correct nobody makes a film overnight everybody likes it and we have a million filmmakers out there now especially since the digital age throw a little camera on anybody you can use a phone today right so this is fantastic and that's the beautiful thing but you can't make a good film overnight just like that so where do you start there you start with a log line 
That's two lines to tell your story. Mm. Story about two best friends. One's all American. One's a rebel. Take them 16 years in their life. They change places. The rebel and a, they, the um, all American becomes a rebel. The rebel and all American, they come into a one-on-one -on -one confrontation between a cop and a drug dealer. Mm. Did you get that story? Yeah, I did. Wow. Just it that simple. Damn. <laughs> right? You just got it. It's a story about a guy who wants to become a champion. That's Rocky. Then you layered it in 1976. Then you layered it in that he was picked. He was a southpaw. That, then you layered it into what he was doing. But it was about a story about a guy who wants to become a champion. As individuals, we need to write. We need to do the steps of a film because the film is the greatest guideline we can have. Right? Think about it. We're going to start with an idea, but we're going to condense that into two, three lines. One, two, three lines. That's your purpose. Now you have that. You're going to do a treatment. And when you have a treatment, what are you going to do? You're going to flush that out. What do you want to accomplish in this time frame, in this movie? And then you're going to flush that out and bring your cast of people who are going to help you and your characters and cast and crew. And each one of those have a very, very specific reason. When you follow that actual process, and that's when it went, this is so cool. Because how yeah. many people have been in the film industry? How many people have had crazy life? How many people have been in the corporate world and you can use all of this and bring it into this one book. And that's when I really, it dawned on me, wow, making it about film and sharing what a film role is, what is a log line, then correlating that to that's defining your purpose. That's your first step. Don't go to start financing your film or your life. What are you, what are you financing? You don't even know what it's about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get the log line. Go to the treatment. The treatment to a screenplay. The screenplay to a producer. You might be the producer who's going to love you or this thing so much that you're going to go. That's the inspiration now because you know what you're selling and what you want to bring forward. And then who's going to be the, the the director? Who's going to be the the casting person? Who's going to be the financer? Who's going to be my 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 lighting guy? Make sure that it, I'm vibrant to the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Powerful. Cool. Isn't it? Yeah. Great breakdown. Like yeah. Yeah. Great way to break you. it down. That's a good visual. The, the log line. Like, yeah, like yeah. you have the storyline or you have like the beginning to end what you want to accomplish in a comprehensive statement. And then the small details you fill in and you yeah. kind of check them off mm -hmm. as you go. Because if you sit there and you go, I have an idea and you flush it all out, flush it all out. You may, you may have the idea for the treatment or the screenplay or the end, but before you go and start to type, get that now condensed to that log line. It's the same thing in life. What do I want to accomplish? Let it, let it riff, go all over with it. That's the beauty. And, and then keep asking the whys. And what truly, what, what do I, what, what's inspiring me? Okay. You know what? These five things did. I, you know what? I pushed these other 10 out. Okay. Of these, which one here? I got it down. Finally get it to that one. Write it out what that means in one line. If you don't do this, I hope every listener hears this. The level of potential success is very minimal. I practically would say don't even try especially if it's a business venture especially if it's a film <laughs> like i mean honestly it's a it's a give up it's 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 a it's literally a want and not a will mm -hmm. yeah yeah
Thank you for yeah. explaining that. That was That's great. Awesome. We'll cut that. Yeah. We'll oh yeah. We'll <laughs> Clip it. There'll Clip be a lot it. of those already. Um, <clears throat> so Jonathan, we recently had a, a, another filmmaker on a few episodes ago, good cool. friend of mine. And, uh, I want to ask, uh, ask you the same question we did him and just see what kind of overlap if there is any, but you- to you, what, what really makes a good storyteller? Like when you're storytelling, what is one of the biggest key aspects that you need to have to tell a great story? For me, as a filmmaker, the first one is the characters. The characters have to resonate with me. You can put the characters anywhere. If they're great and they're complex and they have wants and desires and needs and all these just thriving levels of complexity layers to them and conflicts, you have something amazing. You could put that in anywhere. I just purchased a, a script. It's one location and it's an internal just mind game inside of this guy of what he's going to be going through through the course of it. And you'll unravel the story through these other characters. That's so critical because, you know, characters are unique, but yet alike. That makes sense. But characters also are, when I was taking a, a workshop class in screenwriting, the guy said, don't write the everyday. People go to films or people go to movies to see what they wish they could do. Hmm. So find the complexity in the characters and in who they are and create them and give them a great voice. I once was writing a script that the woman, I wanted her to have, she was 70 years old. I'm going to take her back into time to her very first childhood love. And I wanted you to identify with her persona ASAP like that, right? How do I do that? So I have her out there and her, she's working in her rose gardens. I have a mailman come up. I named the guy Frank. Now, when you think of mailman, close, if you were to close your eyes and go, I'm going to picture the mailman, you're going to think probably, you know, five, six to five, eight, little reporty, you know, kind of guy, jovial, this and that. No, man, I made this guy, Randy Johnson, six, nine, pockmarked, skinny as a rail, ponytail in his hair. He walks up. That gives you, wow, this is gets the audience seeing something, right? Mm-hmm. Who is this guy? How did he become yeah. the male guy, right? And so then he says, oh, those roses look like winners again. It's just a simple line. But now you think, okay, what does that mean? So in the end, she, her very first line is she looks at him, she turns around and she says, horse crap, Frank. Now this seven-year-old <laughs> woman saying horse crap, Frank, then it was like, that just tells you everything. Okay, she's crash. She's Kate Hepburn, right? She's got it. And then you want to show that she's witty and intelligent. And you're like, okay, great. She's like, she goes, and besides, what do you know? And she goes, and how do you know they're winners? And he's like, ah, bah, bah, you know, they're, you can tell by the buds. And she's like, look it, the only thing you know about buds is the liquefied version sitting in your hand down at the watering hole trying to pick up on chicks. And if you really want to know the truth, you're not very good at that either. And that tells you everything about this relationship of these two people. And he's going to give her this piece of mail that's going to be the catalyst to this movie. So in literally a moment in time, mm-hmm. this character interaction of two unique personalities gives you, it could be anywhere. Yeah. That's the coolest piece. And that's, I'm going to watch movies so differently now because throughout what a few lines in like 10 seconds, you told the whole story just in in that little time and interaction. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like when I did Chicago PD, I share with people great characters. And when I audition, I have opportunity to audition. I'm always sharing with my agent, please help. You know, sometimes I just don't want to do this piece because the, the, the lines and the, the, the work, the, the text, I really would have to work at it. And I've got a corporate job, right? So I'm truly trying to find the, the ones that will resonate with me. But when I got on Chicago PD, use and think of this. The opening line is, Jared Gannick, we need to talk to you about your ex-wife. That's the opening line. That's what they're going to say to me in the very beginning. I'm going to say, well, what'd she say? Let's just go with that. And they're going to say, what would she say? So there's much more to the scene, but let's just take that. Mm -hmm. Subtext of complexity. I'm going to show you how when you write this, this is where you want to give the actor and you don't want to tell the actor everything. You want the actor, the artist to be able to come in and give their persona of what they want. And so if you write all the details, feels this, this and all this direction, and that's how you make your movie, you're losing all this great magic that's potentially available to happen. You're just to give the basic story of the flow, right? So now imagine in this one, Jared Gannick, we need to speak to you about your, you need to speak about your, your, your ex-wife. Okay. Now, I mean, there's a lot of people who have ex-wives out there, I'm sure that still have good relationships and maybe some of those with benefits. Let's just say I was in that window of time. Okay. Well, what would she say? That would be my answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> What'd she say? Yeah. Now, maybe theirs would be uh, <laughs> knowing that well, she's in ICU. Well, I don't know. What would she say? Right? Like that's a weird reaction, but it's telling you something. Mm -hmm. It's not in the script. The next one is what happens if she just served me again for more money? Jared Gannick, we need to speak to you about your ex-wife. What'd she say? Right. How much did I change? I changed a Everything. ton, but how much did I actually vocally change? Not much. Mm. It was the subtext that wasn't there that you can allow your characters. Don't give everything the house. I always try to say when I'm finding the dialogue is how in, in a scene, I want to get into the scene as late as possible and out of it as fast as I can into it as late as possible out of it as fast as I can and only say what I have to say. I was at a, a film festival one time, the guy who wrote John Adams series, he said, we were talking about screenplays and all that. And he said, it was great. You know, had uh, Paul G Giamatti and Laura Linney and there's this great scene and they came up to him and they said, you know what? I don't think we need to use any of the dialogue. Are you okay with that? He's like, sure. Hmm. And they just realized that I could do this scene without words. That's actually a craft in itself. Do the scene to yourself and film yourself as you're doing your self tape and don't actually use the dialogue, but act it, feel it. And then put the words to it. That's cool. I like yeah. that. And that goes back to like, it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. So, and yeah, what's going amazing. on? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. we, we've got three of us in this conversation, correct? Yes. No. It's not. We have more. How many are actually in this conversation right now? Is it technically six? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Why? Because we because we're we're interacting on the outside, but we're all, we also have stuff that we're thinking ah. on the inside too. There's two versions of us. Fantastic. Yes. That's good. That's a good and, and that's where in acting we can't have that. 
although we do have that to some degree, right? So we have to be present because what are they giving us? What are they, what are they not saying? What are they contextually throwing out there, right? Inside of all their different things that they're doing mm -hmm. or not doing, or that's roving and you got to be there. You're so worried about the line and not what's happening. You're in trouble. So characters going back to your question. Now you can say, oh yeah, mm -hmm. right. Now, do I light them dark? Do I light them this? What's my color palette? What do I want? What, you know, in older film, which is great, you know, I'm going to not try to put younger filmmakers down today. That's not what my intention is here, but they were very concise in depths. Like I'm going to have this person on this side of the area of the frame for this person over here, but there be, there are, there's an island between them because that's telling that there's conflict between them. They're not close in symmetry together for this reason. There was just a lot of movement that was being captured inside the composition. Every piece of filmmaking should be a still that speaks life. And all you're doing is compiling a whole bunch of beautiful stills that make a rolling movie. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Man. Okay. Uh, I want to move back to the transition from entertainment industry, filmmaking, acting into the, your corporate career, sales career. Okay. So I guess where we could start is like, what, what was your motivation to go back or go into corporate and how did your, your filmmaking and acting career help you excel in that? Yeah, that's a good one. So I got into my, had a daughter and my daughter, um, as she was getting older, you have good years and bad years in the entertainment industry, as you would understand, you know, just there's just due to contracts, conflicts of contracts and the stuff that what you can do and can't do, especially I was a big commercial actor, right? That was my big bread and butter. So I might have a year or two of really high income and then a, a low one because I couldn't do other, I couldn't do another soft drink ad because I already had one running. I couldn't do a fast mm -hmm. food one because I already had one running. So my, now my audition level was low, right? Mm -hmm. And very difficult to get film and television roles. You know, it's just very, very difficult. And so unlike commercials, they like your look and, you know, makes it, it's a whole different game. So, um, so what happens is, is I was like, okay, I need to have a, a backup and I need to have a, a job. And so that's how I fell into doing it. When I got into sales, I was funny. The very first time I sold something, I was selling a copy or two, uh, uh, um, an attorney's office. And the guy was so vicious I was crying and uh, literally he looked at me and he said, listen here, kid, relax. I'm going to buy these copiers from you, but I'm going to make, she goes, you need to don't, he goes, don't worry about people. I'm going to make this, this is the toughest sell. You'll never have one harder than this ever again. Mm. And when I got through that in that experience, and then I started getting through more sales experience, there was a euphoric element that was very similar to acting winning an opportunity and bringing something together and, and quarterbacking this, 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 this two businesses or entities coming together was very euphoric for me. And so that was like going on the casting call. Now the, the sales calls were like the casting calls and then getting the deal was like getting the job. So I saw a lot of correlation there. And I would say that was the piece that got me, kept me in the actual sales world. Plus everybody wants, there's a perforated line. There's the, 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 the pyramid up here or upside down. And when you look at it from the top one, it's power and security. And down below it's, it's money and security because here's the reason why here up the top one is they want leaders. A lot of times they want to be, it's a power play for them. It's very big for them. And they don't, you know, they're, but there's this perforated line of the sales guy. 
if you're a great salesperson, which we're all innately born to be a great salesperson because we come out, we can't speak. So we're actually, everything we're doing is conveying sales to our world, right? So everyone, they, people say we can't sell. Sure you do. You refer movies, you refer clothing places. You're, you're selling all day long. So don't say you can't sell. I've never sold just so you know, and I'll explain that here in a second. But what happens is that perforated line of somebody who can sit inside that uncomfortability and not know how much money they're going to make. So there's not that perfect level, maybe not really have all the power because they're not really dictating. They're not on the leadership team, but they don't have the job security inside of just that regular, you know, everyday nine to five job. That's the one that every organization needs. It's the bloodline. I like that. You know, I say I didn't sell because I don't have your checkbook. Right. What I do have the ability to do is to bring you an awareness of what do you want and do we have what you want and do they align? Mm -hmm. So if we can sit inside the conversation and we can say, what do you want? Okay, great. Here's what we have. What's our Delta? If there's not one, what prohibits us to move forward? If there is one, what do you want? What do we have? Stay here. Can you not need this and it's either that and so you just stay inside that i'm not making your decision Mm. i don't own that i just owned you the ability to create a world of possibility Mm. because a lot of times people's possibility is built into their belief system the belief system is why they're doing their why but they don't know why they're doing their why because their belief of what they believe might not be actually be accurate. That's just called conditioning. Or maybe they fell into their role and it's been told this is what we do. They don't necessarily create the world. They just, that's the belief and the conditioning that they live inside. And until you give them a new realm of possibility and expose them to creating something new, you know, a lot of times I see the rigidness inside somebody and I can say, oh, cool. You know what? Just do a whiteboard for a second. Imagine you don't have any belief about something. Can you do that? Because if you can do that, I think we can have a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you gotta that cool. cool yeah, they gotta have the belief that they can that they can attain that that future that they want. And then you and yeah. then how you kind of fit into that. That makes sense. That's yeah, and like, then it gets into like you know, preparation is key, right? Yeah. You gotta have that. And you gotta have the ability to to evolve. And you got and there's a lot of other tangibles to become great at anything, mm-hmm. especially if I'm sharing that with sales. But I think the biggest thing is just stop thinking you can sell and start opening it up to you just want to have great conversation about creating possibility. Mm-hmm. That's like a good that. approach. I like that approach. Yeah. And I feel like the best salespeople, like they, they ask the best questions that allow people to kind of verbalize that too. Cause sometimes I feel like when you talk to people, they may not be fully aware of their situation. They may not have all the information, but they need, they need someone to at least ask them the questions that, to help them open up possibilities too. That they didn't even yeah. know were possible as well. And, and frame it. You know, a lot of times I get on a phone call, I'm 20 years now in this industry, right? I'm recognized in some facets of an expert inside of what I do, and especially today, my current role. And so I'll open up and I'll say, okay, great. You know, what brought you here today? What do you know about our organization here today? And then here's what I'd like to do today. Are we in alignment with that? Great. Okay. Now, the first thing I think I should probably clarify is why listen to Jonathan? Like literally, you know, like let's validate that for a moment. So here's my background. 
And here's what I, why I, I think there's a value that I'm going to be able to bring to you. Bring that forward. So somebody out there is probably going, oh, that's great. He's 20 years in this business and I'm only new to this business. Great. So how do I do that? That's a beautiful thing sometimes to be new. New is new inquisitive. New brings new new thoughts, new ideas. You have the opportunity to go learn a lot about your product. Find those deltas. Just because you're new doesn't mean you can't point out information and you can point out I'm new. But this is what I've seen. I've listened to some of our really experienced people and the conversations they've had. And I want to bring this forward to see if you've had this same thought process and it's the same challenge. You know, as I'm new, it's still helping me along the way. So you can still navigate through that that way and become somewhat of the expert without being the expert. Yeah. yeah. I like what you said there. Like I've had conversations with people who experience and I've learned this, like being able to like bring that in as well, showing that, hey, you put in the effort to learn and have conversations. That, that'll speak volumes about what what you want to achieve so people want to know you're honest and you're truthful mm-hmm. right authentic you, you want to be authentic you're authentic but the only way to be authentic is be vulnerable yeah mm-hmm. they go hand in hand and i think that line if someone's new in sales like owning it like yeah hey i'm new here new i don't know what i don't know i think that kind of mm-hmm. brings down some of the guarding of of who you're quote unquote selling to and they might yeah. you know treat you a little differently, soften things up a little bit, actually listen a little more. So I think it might work yeah. to some people's advantage to actually throw that in like, hey, I'm newer to this. Um, let's just chit chat, see what you got going on, see what we have going on and yeah. let's talk. Yeah, there's really, the key of it's going to be is knowing, you know, I do a lot of preparation for anything that I do. And then sometimes I never use any of it. Just that's the way it is. The preparation is just what it is called preparation. If it comes up, right, I know where to go. I have ideas where I want to go, but if I start doing it my way, then am I am I getting them to buy what I want or what they want? Right. I want everybody to buy what they want. I want them to buy what we have only if they want it. Because if it doesn't fit their strategy, and it's not something they believe will actually benefit them, then $1 is too much. Good point. I like that. Yeah. It's a great change in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, And it just brings a new light. I'm sure we have salespeople that will listen to this, but brings a new approach to, you know, quote unquote selling. Like yeah. your, your pitches, everyone thinks they got to pitch everything. It's like, well, you know, part of what you're saying is listen to what they need. Like, what do they want? What do they believe their problem is? Yeah. And, and can you help that or not? Yeah. Think about anything I said. So if anybody's listening and they're going like, you know, I'm sure you have listened to what I'm saying is it's Ed, they're listening openly. What I mean when I say is anybody listening, because you first have to listen openly to enable to, to bring something forward. But if you are put it into selling a, a, a shoe, selling a car, selling a house it doesn't really matter anything put it to anything well what do you want why why do you want that okay so you get all of that defined here's what we have so that's one this is two where's the delta if there's no delta what prohibits us from moving forward Hmm. right now if there is a delta you're just inside of this until you figure out 
that it's either acceptable or not acceptable. It's that simple. Now move that into those people who are struggling because the labor force, I'm in that world, right? The labor force is huge and they're looking at interviewing. Okay, what do they have? What do you want? Does it line? Your final question, they ask all the time. The interview always says this. So let me ask you a question. Do you have any questions for us, for me? Right. Yeah. Now that I understand what you want, and you know who I am, is there anything that would prohibit us from moving forward? Because mm. I'm here now yeah. to answer any questions. Yeah, that's good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Well, you know, and I've had people do that. Well, you know, I think that, da, da, da. great. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's <laughs> countless people who will leave an interview and they'll be like, yeah. I don't, I don't know how it went. That's the best question you can ask to get that instant feedback loop of how it yeah. went. Yeah. And if you do, it's the only question I have, typically, because yeah. yeah. I'm going to listen and ask questions along the way, but that's when right. that final gets extracted at the end, all of that. That's the one that I need to know. Yeah. yeah. That's such an excellent point. Because that's yeah. that, I think that's a mistake that people fall into. They wait to ask all their questions till the end. You should be asking questions throughout the entire thing. It's a two-way dialogue, but that is the single best question to ask at the end. You're right. Yeah, you should never be working or not working for something that you don't believe in or that you don't want and vice versa. They want you. This is a partnership. It's a marriage. Don't ever feel in life that you have to do anything again. I, I am working today in my corporate role because I love my organization. They know that. It's on a gazillion recordings of our sales calls. They hear me say it all the time. I, I love my job. And you can see that. You can see that I'm passionate about it. I don't wake up one day of my life not wanting to do my job. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's the greatest gift in the world. Mm -hmm. Every day of my life is everything I want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Really cool. Yeah. 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 Now, are you, is your organization more sales coaching? Do you have products too? What What do you actually, I mean, you know, yeah, so we you have a not selling, but yeah. So, no, I, I, yeah, I sell, you know, not selling, but yeah, we're, you yeah. know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we have, we help organizations of how they bring their, their jobs and their employer brand, the, the value of the organization, why you'd want to develop a career there onto social onto the various elements. So candidates today are using social like, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, okay. you know, um, Instagram, all these different, you know, social entities. They're using those to learn about organizations, find jobs. And so we help organizations really maximize how do they put that social presence and footprint there in, in an automated way. Um, it's a great, it's so timely. It's a lot of times, again, breaking down the belief that, you know, I have a, a slide that I use, 92% of organizations actually use social. But then I'm out there doing speaking engagements and I'll hear like 22%, 24% say they that's a priority for them. Hmm. Well, that's, okay. Think about that. So what am I doing? Am I solving 8% of the world and I have a very little low level of priority to it? Um, that's what it's saying. If you look at yeah. the statistics that way, Right. But then I'll show them, I'll say, but this is what I'll spend time in these conferences that you've been in. And everybody's talking about individuality and identity. And yet, look at here's the examples of most people's content out there. It looks exactly the same. Yeah. And they're doing work. So imagine if we can not, we can reframe that and make it look incredible, speak to your audience, differentiate you, and you don't have to do work. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole game. Yeah. So are you, so that kind of speaks to, let's bring that back into the, everything that we've been talking about today. That's that checkbox is, are you just checkboxing life and throwing it out there? Just the checkbox of getting your job. Yeah. Your job's on social, but it doesn't speak who you are. Are you throwing your life out there, but it doesn't really speak who you are. Are you really taking the time to make sure it's high quality, relevant content of who you are into the world so that your audience can see who you are and what you're about? Mm, This is a new venture for me. I don't, you know, we talked about being an expert. I think by now you would say, I'll throw this question back on you. Have you learned anything today? 100%. Definitely. Okay. I already know. I already know something I'm going to apply because we had this conversation. Like awesome. As soon as we get off this conversation. Yeah. So hopefully every listener out there is going, wow, this guy's got some really cool things that I can learn from. If they get one thing, then this was an incredible session for them. Your podcast was a success. This mm-hmm. this this one episode, right? Yep. We all benefited. I'm new to this world. We've just talked in. I'm an expert in some areas, and then I'm new to this world. But why not? I didn't have to come here and say, oh, yeah, I've got this. And I'm all I'm all buttoned up and got all that. No. This is the beginning of my new life of where I'm going. I'll have my corporate life here, but one day I'll age out of that corporate life. And that new life will also continue to help people to the day that I die. That's the greatest gift I can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody can ever take that away from me. And that's what I love about having this session right here in the beginning of where my my future world, my last chapter in my life will go, is going to be really just continue to get my voice out there and share the, the what I like to say is the accumulated wisdom. Mm-hmm. So you can yeah. navigate through accumulated wisdom the right way. I love that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, on my, on my card that's on my desk, I have the line for my podcast. I said, I want to build relationships and interview influential leaders so that I can educate people on being the best versions of themselves. That's the goal of this podcast. That's what we want to do. And yeah, you definitely helped us with that today, for sure. And I actually want to bring that even more as Tim and I, you know, you you and I have had this uh, relationship prior to meeting, like in a, in a virtual session now of mm-hmm. physicalness. But um, you recrafted my LinkedIn page and my resume. And um, let's talk about that for a second, because that's really fascinating. You know, a lot of times when you look at it is in my life here, I'm sharing all these great things, but I'm not a resume writer. I'm not a LinkedIn writer, you know, but you do you go to do you go to the gem maker to build your house? It would be weird if you <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Right? Doing that from Og Mandino's book. But you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And the thing is, is that go to the experts in that. I've never, I mean, I don't have a college degree. My resume looks, as Tim knows, as wacky as a roadmap as one can ever imagine. <laughs> so it, it, it's, but it's the coolest one when you actually get to know it, right? It's yeah. just so Oh my gosh, it was such a fun project to work on. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's just so cool. But now Tim brought his creative ability and his skill set and his capabilities, his professionalism of what he's met, he's become the expert on. And I made sure I brought that into my world because that's like building the movie. I need to have the sound guy or I need to have the cinematographer, right? Those roles that are so critical. And I brought Tim into my world. He recrafted that. And you'd be surprised how many people reach out to me now about different types of jobs or interest in my and wanting to know more about me. And could I be, I think I'd be perfect for them. 
And, and I hope my company's hearing this because I'm constantly saying, yeah, do you know how hard it would be for you to get me to work for you and not where I'm at? <laughs> so even though, right. I had, even though I had that done, it didn't mean that I necessarily was seeking a job. What I was seeking was to become the best of me in the world that was out there. And if it's available to make sure I'm not just checkboxing it and I'm doing it on the most optimal level. And that's what I got from Tim. And I think that's really important. So as you guys continue to evolve your audience, you're going to continue to evolve as people and become experts and experts. The world is your plethora. It's your oyster to whatever you design it to be, not only in this or whatever pieces of your life. That's the greatest thing of, of what hopefully you'll get even from our conversation today. And, and what you get the gift of, of the podcast allows you to learn from so many people and then X try it and then share it. Mm -hmm. You know, the greatest lessons is coaching. It's learning something, coaching it, sharing it, and then uh, and, and, and learn more from that execution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And that means a lot yeah. that you say that. I, it was a, it was an honor to work on your project for you, and I'm, I'm glad that I played that role. So, yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, Jonathan, you mentioned um, when we were talking about sales. Sometimes you got a whiteboard. You know, yes. kind of start fresh, open things up. What would you say is one of your most recent moments? And it can be acting, sales, anything. But one of your most recent moments where you had to whiteboard yourself, where you had to look at something open it up a little more than maybe you thought you might have had to. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's constant, to be honest with you. You know, that's the beauty of it all it is. Um, and I'm going to share a couple of examples. But in my own, even in my, my world here at the organization, I am selling, but I'm also the coach for sales to help my team. That's a very challenging environment because I'm not dealing with people who don't know how to sell. These guys know how to sell which is fantastic, but can they sharpen their pencil? And so the only way they're going to be able to sharpen their pencil is if I'm sharpening the pencil or giving them the, 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 the canvas to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's constantly reframing and making sure, am I actually evolving? Am I actually bringing something greater for them to hear or listen to or the hard conversation? You know, I was recently at a, um, an event with somebody and, and, and they said, God, you have so much energy. It's crazy, you know, and I, I said, yeah, he said, you know, I'm sitting a little stir crazy here because I'm we're waiting for people to come to our booth. We're at home. I can be sending out emails or doing whatever I need to be doing. And so in that, I, you know, I, I realized I have, there's this coaching moment there with this person. We're connecting. And that was when I said, you know, I know I'm your coach, but at the same time, and I know you can sell, but I hope you know that I can sharpen your pencil if you want me to, mm -hmm. but you have to want me to. Yeah, right. you know, that's, that's a constant whiteboard. Then it's like, okay, yeah, now I have to figure out what it is because we need to, we, we need him and I need to whiteboard it at that point. I'm on our HOA board right now. <laughs> we needed somebody. I end up in there. Everybody's like, Jonathan, can you do it? Okay, fine. I'll do this. Right. <laughs> HOA so, board. Uh, and that, yeah. <laughs> and that's, a, that's a massive learning lesson. Yeah. So I'm constantly whiteboarding with the product, the, the property management people. Listen, <laughs> I know you've done things a certain way. I'm new. Why do we do it a certain way? I'd like to know. Just want to verify that it has to be that way, mm. right? 
So what I'd like to do is let's just kind of put a clean slate here, forget what is it may, we may, we let's deconstruct it to reconstruct it. And it may look exactly the same, but what happens if it doesn't? And it just happens to be a little bit better. Yeah. Right. Aren't we doing that in our relationships? I have a 31 year old daughter you know, and your dad and daughter, and now she's a, she's a screenwriter and we just brought this project together and I'm going to have to figure out the whiteboarding on that alone. It's the first time we'll ever come together working on a project. You know, we need to, we need to learn. We don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. So we need to figure that out, what that's going to look like. She's never worked with me on that level. And I could be very intense, you know, in the, in the preparation room. Sure. I remember one time I was in, I was in my, my meetings and a guy said to me, he said, listen, he goes, um, I got the set and oh, crisis, you know, this, that, 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 running up to me. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You know, go ahead. And he goes, are you high? And I said, <laughs> I laughed and I've never done anything like that. I said, no, why? Because you're so intense in our meetings and you're so relaxed. I said, because we should be intense in our meetings because we're prepping and we're figuring it all out and we should be pushing and challenging, punching holes and everything. But we're, hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday, man. We're here. Mm -hmm. We've done all the preparation. Now let's let it fall apart because the magic is when the wheels fall off. That's the magic, man. Mm. That's when we're going to capture some really cool things. So yeah. I think that we when when I use whiteboarding, I hope that answers the the question and how it can be applicable all the time. If you're doing something that has been so constant, sometimes a whiteboarding moment is really cool to deconstruct and reconstruct through why do we do what we do, and it may come the same, but it may not, and typically it won't, and it typically will go somewhere bigger and better, especially in the corporate world because. Too many people move and transition and people get replaced and moved into the pockets and, and it becomes conditioning. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. And I love how you're intense when you prepare, but when the event is happening, you, you're yeah. coolest can be. And, and my dad always said, sounds real little. He's like the most prepared in the room will win. Yeah. And wh whatever it is. But um, I think that just gives you know, it gives a different level of confidence too. If you're not prepared yeah, you're going to be in a frenzy if something goes sideways. Yeah. Now, if you're prepared, even if it's something you did not prepare for exactly that thing, you, yes. you're like, okay, well, what things do we have in place? What can we change and do? And it'll figure itself out. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So fast. Yeah. Just, just working with a client and um, I do like human performance company and she's losing weight for the military doing a cut and they expedited our plan by three weeks. And so we had to go to an extreme. And I'm like, well, I didn't plan for this exact, but we have a good foundation. Now we have to change everything on a dime. And she's freaking yeah. out, right? And luckily they gave her a little more time, but we cut a lot of weight really fast. And so it's just, you know, changing your plan when it has to. Yeah, changing and your plan. And, and you brought up some really key points that are critical because there's people out there. And, and I know you've shared this a couple of times, both of you, where it's how do I start? How do I start? I think that's the paralyzing piece for most people. How do I start? We've just shared a plethora of content of exchanges today. I mean, what's the reality? People here today, this podcast in this session, what is the true reality that they'll go back and listen to it again? Very minimal. Yeah. Yeah. You can't 
absorb everything that we've said. And so if you don't think at that moment, I need to take very, very, very baby steps in the beginning to start, that's okay. But you have to take the baby step. And the baby step, if you're overweight, unhealthy, eliminate one thing. You don't have to do everything. Just eliminate one thing. Mm -hmm. Walk to the mailbox or down to the, the end of the driveway or that hundred yards for a week or whatever it might be. Let your body tell you when you can walk a little further, right? If you're drinking, I'm not the expert in addictions here, but think about this. Just cut back one drink, right? Yeah. You do, you have the willpower to do that. One cigarette, right? One day, one, one minute of meditation. There's so much you can do, baby steps. I always see people when they make this transformation and the lights go, ah, it's because the pain was so great at one point that they actually had that tragedy that they needed to change. I had a gun to my head one time in my life. That's brutal. That's brutal. Think about that. Would you have ever thought that? No. No. I've been molested in my life. Don't, those, those are tragedies. But those tragedies don't define me. They take one step. It just showed up to class one time. Instead of skipping 17 times. Just get there one time, right? Yeah. And find the habit. Find the reason. So hopefully that's the biggest takeaway in the sense, I know there may be some things you still want to ask me, but I want to make sure everybody in this world gets to understand that nobody doesn't have tragedy. Everybody has an amazing story, good and bad. Everybody has to start somewhere, but you have to want to start somewhere and have the will to know you can go through it and get to where you want to go. And it could be fun. Mm -hmm. It could be yeah. fun. A roller coaster, man. Make it a roller coaster because there's nothing that says it doesn't have to be fun. It should be fun. But it becomes fun because you've defined the purpose of what you truly want that one step to be, that first step. Yeah. So cool. I love it. That's Thank beautiful. You so man. Much. Yeah. Baby step. It only takes yeah. one baby step. Yeah. Yeah. Momentum going. I love it. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I like I like what you say about like just the fun aspect too. Like make it make it fun. Mm -hmm. Make it fun. Yeah. Find, I have find joy find joy. Like you should have every day you should have something that you're looking forward to that brings you joy. Whether it's the same every day. whether it's the same thing that's in a routine or something unique. It should be something. Great point. I know that for me, I'd be curious on you guys, when you brush your teeth every day, something we just all like to do. Um, and when you do, do you typically look in the mirror? Yeah, usually. Uh, sometimes. Okay. Usually. Like if That's I want to go do something else, like I'll walk and do something yeah. else while I'm, you know. yeah. I've done that too. At some point at the beginning of your day, do you look in the mirror? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So whether it's brushing your teeth, whether it's doing your hair, women doing their makeup, you have this ability to see yourself. True? 
Yes. And you have the ability to ask yourself at that given moment, do I have an abundance of enthusiasm today for what I'm going to go do? Ask that question. Start to ask that question to yourself every day. At the beginning of that day when you're in the mirror, okay? It doesn't have to be the first thing. If you walk in, you get coffee or do whatever. When you get to that mirror the very first time, just ask that and say, you know what? Jonathan, Colin, Tim, do I have the ability to be 100% with an abundance of enthusiasm today? And if the answer is no, ask yourself why. Why? And then put your time to fix it. Because if you've got that reality check every day, the greater possibility that you can say yes to that 100% of enthusiasm is all you need. Yeah. But if you don't ask it and you don't tweak it, imagine what every day has to be. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. Right? That's a fantastic right. question. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said in your previous point. Like people are going to be like, oh, like I don't, I work a, a, a nine to five job. I work eight hours a day for a job I don't like. How do I, how do I find the time to, to fix it? And it goes back to you said the baby steps, whether it's like yes. 50, if it starts with 15 minutes a day to fixing it to 30 minutes a day, you, you, the more you do that, the more you will love doing it. And, and such a great example in your world right now, they have the keys to the kingdom. If they've really listened, yeah. you're a phone call away mm -hmm. to fix yeah. their resume. That's, That's right. the first yeah. step. Right. I mean, honestly, that's the first one. And if they and if you say, hey, it's going to cost you this and they don't have that, then they know the next problem. So what is the step? How do I get that? Mm -hmm. Or do I run from that? Because, oh, you know what? I want to change my world, but I, I need to have somebody do my resume or I need to have somebody do this or whatever I need. Right. If you don't want to spend the time to do it again, there's a want, but there's not a will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you say to yourself, Hi, Jonathan. Now, do I have 100% of enthusiasm today, abundance of enthusiasm to do today? You know, my job is really killing me. I just hate this job. Well, what do you need to do? What do you need to do, Jonathan? Just write it down. Tackle that. I guarantee you when you go to bed and you wake up the next day and you've started that, just that little road that you'll start to get where you want to go. But if you just go, yeah, no, oh, well. Yeah, yeah. And off, and you go out and move your day, you're just living the chaos because that's truly, now a lot of people aren't going to want to hear this line, but it's the truth, just because that's what you want. Mm -hmm. That's the choice. You have elected to negate that you know you don't have an abundance of enthusiasm and don't want to fix it. So now your next question should be, hi, Jonathan, how are you doing? Do you have an abundance of enthusiasm to live through today? No. Are today you willing to do one thing to fix that? Nope. I choose not to fix it today. At least make it truthful. At least be authentic about it. Yeah. That's an actual first step. Yeah. And I think that brings a lot of, uh, you know, if someone can be humble enough to ask those questions and be honest with those, then it's, you know, I, I didn't have a mind shift till, you know, it was, it was my mom. She's like, you are where you are because of every decision you have ever made. Amen. Lover. 
Yeah. And, and, and now it's, that changes your decision-making real quick too. Cause everyone, <laughs> I mean, you've probably seen it. We've talked to people with like this victim mentality. And I just watched yeah. this one, one clip of, I think it was with Goggins and he's talking to me. He's like, dude, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know my life. He goes, yeah, I do. He goes, no, you don't. He goes, I know your mindset that no one understands what you're dealing with. He goes, yeah. I know that. And that's all I need to know. He's like, so get yeah. rid of that shit. He's like, to your point, want versus will. He's like, one is, person it pain- will. is it painful enough where you're going to do something about it? Yeah. And there's a can in between that, the want and the will, you know, and that's, can I, can, can I believe that I can do it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so do I have the capabilities and all of that? But I think that, you know, rather than get people lost and all, I'll cover that in some of my book, you know, people pick that up, you know, but yeah. it's like really understanding at least that want and the will. When I owned the acting studio, that was probably the biggest tragedy that walked through every door. I saw so many incredible, talented people that had want, but didn't have the will. Usually the driver was that, that didn't, that was the tragedy and where it was, or that they were going to master, you know, four decades in the, in the industry. And I'm still not good. Um, you know what I mean? And so, um, and still self-doubting every moment of my life and in my existence that I'm a fraud, but you know, everybody says the exact same thing that's in it. I was actually doing a lifetime movie about a year and a half ago and, uh, the director very well known and his wife, very well known. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm just these one-liners are, I'm just hate them. She's like, you're so crazy when these scenes are great. Like they're big and they're complex. You're like just on money. And then the one-liners, you know, you could tell you're just not into it. I'm like, yeah, I just hate them. And she goes, yeah. I mean, we're always challenged to think that we're frauds, you know? Mm. And, and so people walk into the studio and they want to be famous. For, so they're, they're there for the wrong reasons. Fame is the outcome, right? It's just an outcome you can't control. And so let that go. Don't let that be the driver and come in and say, this is an evolution. It is so scary. Getting in class, performing in, in front of people is shedding your heart and, and giving everything that you have. I know I'm, I'm paralyzed by it tremendously. There are some actors I'm sure that are not, but I am. And I think anybody who doesn't walk into that studio and, and doesn't feel like, you know what, again, it's going to go back to, is it debilitating? Or is it just, I have to work through it. And, and, and so I would always say that's the biggest thing is I saw in, in the acting studio that I think transforms a lot into life. And I think that's with anybody in any world that they are, you'll see that's the biggest, biggest crux is that they want to be more than they are without doing the work. Yeah. And what, 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 what do we call it? Unwork, not hard work. Unwork, 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 unwork. Jonathan, I want to be uh, respectful of, of your time. I know we're kind of Thank coming you. up to it. Um, anything else that we haven't covered? And, you know, I want Tim and I ask any other last questions before our final, but anything else that Jonathan, you want to make sure you convey to our audience? Um, anything else you really want to, to get across? Yeah. You know, the only thing I want to say is, you know, I appreciate you guys time, you know, and the opportunity to share who I am to your audience and, and, and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, and I hope that anybody who hears this realizes that, you know, I'm not perfect. That's for sure. And that um, we will not always agree. I know one thing. We will not agree on 100% of everything that we, we talk about. So if we don't agree with 100% of everything that we are going to talk about, let's let go of that and just be open-minded to hear it. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you do that to everything in life. And that's what I hope everybody would do is just say, I don't have to agree with it, but I can hear it. 
I could listen yeah. to it and let it ponder. And so as, as I walk away from today, I hope that that's been conveyed for people to realize maybe there was a nugget here and that nugget's valuable. And, and if they have questions, you know, I'm going to be very transparent with people. Feel free to reach out to me. You know, let me know. I, I, I like to hear this, you know, the challenges. If I can fix it and, and help in that process and support it in any way, I, I would love to do that. Don't buy the book because there's an obligation or thinking that you're going to do a book and read it. I'd prefer that you don't buy the book in the sense if you're just thinking I'm going to read it and then throw it on a shelf and not do any of the work. Save the money. Save the $29.95. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, just do yourself a favor and say that and wait till you're ready to do it. But if you're truly ready to do it, I'm confident that I've tried to put it in a very fun way for them. And that's what I really want. Hopefully it got conveyed today for them. Yeah. You're dealing with somebody who's not perfect, but it's going to give a lot of their experience to, to what the world they've been in. And um, outside of that, you know, you guys will have my my website and all that available. You know, it's, you know, G, inspired by JG. I'll be uploading opportunity to buy the book on there as soon as I'm hopefully done here in the next month or so. And, um, and then I have, I'm really trying to bring it into an in, interactive life. I'm, I'm trying to create some hats and some things like that because I want you to be out there in the world living the book, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a piece of that book that you can live and people go, oh, that's a cool hat, you know? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's this book. It yeah. gets you a chance to reflect back onto staying in that now. So that's really the end piece I want, but I, I really appreciate the time. And, yeah. yeah, likewise. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. And what, what is the name of your book? It's going to be uh, Your Life is Your Movie. Love so it. at cool. the end of the day, you know, you're creating your movie. I'm just going to give you some film tips of why each role is important. How do you correlate those into your life? You know, like if you look at the director is the kaleidoscope of understanding all the angles. So who's the director in your life? Are you the director in your life and understand all of the angles, right? Mm-hmm. Sound, you know, sound is capturing the the essence of the of the tones and of the words. How are you listening to the world? So each one's got the film term and it correlates to how that can be in your life. And then there's a guidance piece with that in each chapter. And then each act is broken down with my story, my personal story. And I, and, and, and I tried to get as raw as I could with people and so that they could see that I'm 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 flawed and and um and I'm still trying myself to get through yeah. this, this journey of life, but in doing it in a very fun way. So that's, yeah. that's what it's about. Love I it. love it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, I got one more and then we ask uh, all of our uh, guests the same question, but this one um, for a friend and yep. he thinks, you know, he's still young in his career, thinks at some point there could be a section of acting. Uh, <laughs> maybe he's not going to be the next McConaughey, but maybe 2.0. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Grew up performing musician, does impersonations. Where should that person start if in the next five years wants to try to do some amount of acting in their career? Again, forefront. Yep. Okay, perfect. Yep. <laughs> All right, good. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm reading that context that's not being said. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, you know, the the thing, the first thing is is don't wait for five years. Actually jump in. And, there, you know, there's so much opportunity to join film communities now on you know facebook and social media different social media sites to learn and hear what people are doing and 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 see what's available in your neighborhood and and what's going on find an agent in your neighborhood and Mm -hmm. actually start getting out there on commercial work commercial work is fantastic it gives you some really great money um 
it's it's allows you to get in front of the camera it allows you to meet some people in, in the group and and everybody's going to book a commercial isn't that the best part fair enough everybody's yeah. going to book a commercial so anytime i i shared a commercial class i would always tell people you're just so you guys all know you're going to all book one it's fantastic it's how fast and far and in between are you booking the next one and the next one and the next one and that's where the experience will come into play so when you get out there in the world and you just start to use your persona, that's the safest environment right away. Okay. It's the easiest environment. People want to bring forward. They don't care if you don't have a resume. So, and that allows you to be in the do and in the now with getting an agent and getting some kind of work and starting to develop comfort in, in thing. Well, now maybe you investigate some classes. Now maybe you investigate, do I look at, we're going to try a theater or do what I want to do in television. Do I want to do stand up? Do, do I want to do a stand-up and I do want to do classes, right, for that? Get an agent and just say, listen, at this point, I know I'm comfortable to try out for commercials. Cool. And in that journey, if you feel you want to explore that and expand that out, you can always let them know, I want to expand that to small parts. Mm -hmm. you know? Okay. You can go for big ones. Here's the catch. If you're comfortable and any, we don't know, nobody knows. This is the beauty of it. People could land something ASAP. Yeah. We had a young kid walk through our studio and I hope he doesn't mind us saying this, but I'm not, if I won't use any names, but because I, I want to be, I want to be fair to that. But he, um, he, he walked into our studio and um, was there a couple of times, worked with one of our other coaches as well. And um, he's on a major series right now. Hmm. And awesome. he didn't have a massive background. Right. So it's crazy what can happen. The industry will let you know if they like you. Hmm. Okay. Just remember that. That's the cool yeah. piece about it. And there is no look. And as we get older, as we get wiser, as we get more aged, we bring new flavors to our work. My mom was actually obese. It's kind of crazy when you think of all the things I've shared. And we used to have those kind of conversations all the time. It's probably the way that I am, right? That DNA. And she said to me, there was a company out there in, and we were in LA, Hollywood. And she said, you know, yeah, some company came up to me and said, oh, they, I'd be perfect for commercials. And I said, oh, no, 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 not me. She's like, you want my son? And I showed him a picture of you and they said, no, no, we don't want him. He's too attractive. We want you. We want you. Because you're, you're every day. You're every day. And that's the thing that people get lost sight of. They think that you have to be this attractive person and all that. That is just not the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, there's everyday people out there. So I say jump on in. And the best way to jump in is commercials. Now, hopefully awesome. that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I think was, he'll really appreciate that. Job, he he that thinks, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to tell him about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah, 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 totally. yeah, totally. And, yeah. and have him make sure he lets me know how it goes. We'll do. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hold him accountable for sure. <laughs> cool. Um, cool. All right. So, Jonathan, we always like to to wrap up our shows just by asking how, you know, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, wow. That's like inside the actor's studio. Like you met, the, went to the pearly gates, right? <laughs> Peter created you. How do I want to be remembered? Is um genuine. You know, like literally someone who gave you everything in the most authentic way possible and that you knew that cared. And, and that care piece is really that you knew that they were courageous enough to 
say the hard things, right? Mm -hmm. But they were gentle enough to, to reflect when it was too hard and, and, and make their mistakes. But know that you, you could always count on them because they were genuine and authentic to you. Um, that, if I could do that, I mean, I don't know. What else would there be in life yeah. that you would do, right? Mm -hmm. It's the greatest gift to have. Yeah. So, yeah. Love it. Thank oh, you so much. Yeah, thank we, you for your time. Thank you very you much. We appreciate it. I, you said how many people will listen to this a second time? I'm going to listen to it the second time. Yeah. I have a crazy um, show notes, yeah. and I can't wait to listen to it again. It's At least four over here will listen to it twice. Yeah. <laughs> four people, yeah. 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 That's right. Uh, so if we got four people. Yeah, four people, right. Six, and I, I'll be listening yeah. to it again, too, yeah. right on growth. So that we got we got, a, we got a group started. We got a, a, a definite group here. Well, I appreciate the time, guys. You've made my journey on this extraordinary jumping off the diving board and being able to do this. Um, so thank you very much. Um, and I, I look forward to watching you guys grow and, and yeah. continue. Amazing. So thank Likewise. you. I'm sure we'll have a part two at some point. And cool. uh, if your future endeavors land you into podcasting, you ever have any questions, we're always happy to help. Yeah, sounds great. How, how things work, how we do things. So, awesome. all right. Thank you very much again, Jonathan. Right. We appreciate it. Yep. All right. Yep. Cheers, man. Take care. Right, Bye. You too. Yep.